0: Film spotting SVU is presented by Movies on Demand on cable, bringing the latest indie movies into your home at the touch of a button.
1: A door is now available on demand during its theatrical release. It stars Academy Award nominated actress Naomi Watts and Golden Globe nominated actress Robin Wright as childhood friends who fall for each other's sons. Also available on demand is the horror movie All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, available now before it hits theaters.
0: The latest independent films are ready when you are, with Movies on Demand on cable. The art house is now in your house.
1: This episode of SVU is also brought to you by Shutterstock.com. With over a million high-quality video clips, Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 25% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use offer code SVU9.
0: from New York City. This is Film Spotting, streaming video
1: unit. I'm Allison Wilmore and I'm Matt Singer and we all know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but what about what happens in Reno? You'll find out when we discuss Chad Hardigan's This is Martin Bonner.
0: Later in the episode, we'll bring you Q Shots, where we recommend some titles to rent or stream at home right now, all centered around a common theme. Inspired by This Is Martin Bonner, we were going to delve into some other films set in Reno, but then we couldn't agree over who would get to talk about that modern-day Farrelly Brothers classic, Kingpin, featuring some masterful use of hair by Bill Murray. So instead, we're going to focus on films about starting over. But first up is opening break, our segment we do in conjunction with our sponsor, Movies On Demand on Cable, in which we spotlight a few notable films new on demand on cable. Uh, Matt, what are your picks this week?
1: It's an exciting batch of stuff to talk about this week. And the first one I'm going to talk about is actually one of my favorite movies of the year. I'd say this is, you know, absolutely something everybody should take a look at. It's called Stories We Tell. It's directed by Sarah Polly, and it is available now on demand and uh sarah polly you may know as an actress and director her fictional uh films as a director away from her and take this waltz which was actually a listener's choice review back on svu number nine if you want to go find that review and listen to it are all about uh the dissolution of marriages and this movie which is sarah polly's first documentary is also about that but it's also about so much more uh it's also a portrait of sarah polly's mother diane polly uh, it's a portrait of her entire family all of her siblings her father um her parents friends are all interviewed and it's also a movie uh, i think as the title indicates about how people tell stories and how memories can be warped or shaped by time or perspective it's 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 almost like rashomon the documentary in some ways although the story involved i suppose isn't as dramatic um as rashomon although from a maybe that depends also on your perspective or your point of view we're off in the beginning the end i am unique from that precise moment when i was dragged out of my mother's womb into this cold world i was complete an amalgam of the dna passed on to me by my mother and father And they too had been born finished products with their DNA handed down by their respective parents and so back ad infinitum. It is clear to me that I was always there, somewhere in my ancestor's DNA, just waiting to be born. So this unique guy has always existed, even in the mystery of nothingness. (sighs) So where to start? The formal aspects of this movie are very interesting, just by the fact that Sarah Polly sort of lays bare the mechanics and the apparatus of documentary filmmaking. She shows a lot of behind-the-scenes footage. She shows you directing the people she's talking to. For example, her father, Michael, is the narrator of the movie. But we don't just hear him uh, talking. We also see him recording his narration. And we also watch her... Directing him to deliver that narration and sometimes correcting him, sometimes arguing with him, sometimes just telling him how to say something so you know you you just it lays bare all that stuff it it exposes the the director's ability to shape a, a story a nonfiction story and perhaps uh fictional or just fictionalizing or Uh, ways that make it less truthy to steal a word from Stephen Colbert. Uh, But I think even more than just the formal aspects of the movie, which would make it interesting, the story that Sarah Polly is telling about her mother, about her family, about her relationship with her father, and some other stuff that I just don't want to spoil is so good and just so powerful. Like it's the kind of movie where it engages you emotionally and intellectually, which to me is, is really the, uh, you know, the best a movie can aspire to is if it's, if it's making you feel the things and think the things all at the same time, you're you're on the right track. And for me, Stories We Tell is really one of the movies of this year. Or I guess technically last year it premiered at festivals last year, but it it played in theaters this year. It's definitely one of the movies uh that recently that really did that to me in a in a big way. I this movie just blew me away, and I really absolutely recommend it to anybody to check out. So that's Stories We Tell. It's available now on VOD. Have you seen this one yet, Allison? I have not, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah, you really, really need to check it out. I think, you'll, I think you'll like it. Okay, so that's Stories We Tell. That's our first pick, but we've got two more quick picks here that I haven't seen, but both looking forward to. And speaking of essential viewing, our next film is thoughtful and eloquent, and it features a potent metaphor about our society's environmental devastation, the financial collapse of two thousand eight and I think also the ethnic cleansing in certain regions of Eastern Europe. It's loosely based, I'm told, on Shakespeare's The Tempest, and it features a screenplay ghostwritten by several actual ghosts. (laughs) Yes, it's the reason we go to the movies, or watch the sci-fi channel, or now watch Video On Demand. It is called Sharknado, the social media cult classic, comes to VOD. It stars Ian Zeering, Tara Reed, and John Hurd in the spine tingling tale of Los Angeles under assault from tornadoes full of sharks. Uh, this is described as Sharknado, the special edition. <laughs> I don't even want to speculate what makes it special. I haven't seen this yet, Allison. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I've heard that Tara Reid plays a very convincing Sharknado. I think that's who she plays <laughs> in the movie. Is that right?
0: I, and just like that pairing, really. Ian Ziering uh, yes, and Tara Reid. so much film history with it.
1: <laughs> it really calls to mind her brilliant performance in Alone in the Dark, which, as we all know, is one of the great bad movies of all time. That where is, she plays yes. a what is she, like an archaeologist something or something? Like that. The movie is barely anything resembling a story. God, that movie is good. If, this, if Sharknado is half as stupid as, as that movie, I'll be happy. So that's Sharknado, the special edition. I, gotta, I can't wait to find out what makes it special. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention. The, do you know the name of the writer of this movie? I, I do not. I'm assuming it's his real name. Uh, according to IMDb, written by Thunder Levin. It's a great name. Thunder well, it's a good name for a guy who wrote a movie called Sharknado, that's for sure. I hope, like, the cinematography was done by a guy named Lightning Schwartz or something. Anyway, Sharknado, special edition, now available on VOD. And finally, uh, another movie I'm looking forward to seeing. It's called The Iceman, directed by Ariel Vroman, and it is also now available on, on VOD. A lot of stuff is coming out on, on VOD this, this week. Uh, the big draw for me here is the lead actor is Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon stars in this movie. It's apparently based on a true story. He plays this guy named Richard Kuklinski. Uh, Here's the plot description I have here. Richard Kuklinski in the 1960s, working as a porn film lab tech until mob bosses persuade him to change his career into that of a contract killer. That's an interesting switch, I guess. Porn film lab tech to contract killer. And, and, you know, with the way that porn and and film uh, developing is going these days – that was probably a very smart, very canny, very forward-thinking
0: move. Move, yeah, I would say so. Except maybe the health insurance part. If you're not part of a guild, That's a great point.
1: Well, uh, there's that that, that I, don't guild. I don't want to presume.
0: I don't want to presume. I played that
1: video; those video games, <laughs> the Assassin's Creed games. There's a whole. And guild. They
0: have a pretty good benefit system. It seems yeah. like
1: it. There's a lot of them. I would I would think they've got a union going. Anyway, his character becomes a contract killer. He gains a reputation for cold blooded professionalism. I assume that's where the nickname comes from. And then there's uh, mob politics involved. It's some kind of a thriller. It's a drama. It's based on a true story. Really, the appeal here. It's Michael Shannon. I love Michael Shannon and everything he does. Amazing. And uh, the idea of him as a porn film lab tech turned contract killer. You had me at porn film lab tech, but you really sold me a contract killer. So I'm going to be checking this one out in the, uh, the next couple of weeks. That's The Iceman. And that is also now available on demand.
0: This episode of Film Spotting SVU is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock.com, you'll find the perfect video for your next creative project, whether it's for your website, advertisement, or a multimedia presentation. You can choose from over a million high quality stock video clips, 2D animations, and 3D motion graphics. And they have clips in a variety of digital formats, and most come in high def. Shutterstock sources video clips from around the world and puts them at your fingertips. Many contributors are professional filmmakers, and Shutterstock reviews each video individually for content and quality before adding it to their library. And Shutterstock adds 10,000 video clips each week, so every time you visit, you'll find something new.
1: Shutterstock gives you the assets you need to bring your creative projects to the next level, and they make it easy. They've got sophisticated tools so you can search and drill down by category, clip resolution, contributor name, and more. As you find the assets you're looking for, you can save them to your clip box, and you can access your selections anytime and share them with other team members. Shutterstock partnered with Facebook to provide advertising customers free access to all its images through Facebook's ad creation tool, and it's a great resource for local businesses that want professional-looking ads. Shutterstock has flexible pricing, and you can choose between individual clips or video packs, and you can download clips in HD or Or you can save with standard definition or web formats.
0: You can try Shutterstock today by signing up for a free account. There's no credit card needed. Just start an account, begin using Shutterstock to help imagine what your next project could be like, and save video selections you find to your clip box. Once you decide to purchase, use offer code SVU9, and new accounts will receive 25% off any package. That's Shutterstock.com, and for 25% off new accounts, use offer code SVU9. We thank Shutterstock for their support. All
1: right, our category on Cue Shots this week... Starting over movies, a little bit vaguer, a little more general than we're used to doing here on the show. I don't know that there's that much to say in a general sense about this one because they're, in a general sense, our category is general. Uh, the one thing I did want to mention, though, is that uh, way back on FilmSpotting Original Recipe number 130, Adam and then co-host, now producer, Sam Van Halgren, they did their own top five list about movies about starting over and they actually had a guest on that top five. The actor D.B. Sweeney contributed his own list. Some of the movies they mentioned that we won't be discussing, and most of these are available uh, on, online, on VOD, on rental. You can find them in a lot of places, are The Born Identity. Not a movie I think about as a starting-over movie, but I can see that. Yeah. Not one that jumps to mind, but it definitely applies. That was Adam's number one. Uh, he also had A History of Violence, which is a good one.
0: That is a good one.
1: It's a really good one, the David Cronenberg film. Hard Eight, a.k.a. Sydney, Paul Thomas Anderson's first feature. And yeah, that has uh, the John C. Riley character, I suppose, would qualify as a character who's starting over. Uh, he's got Passion Fish. Then he has a double feature of Old Boy and Lady Vengeance. Here was, here was uh, D.B. Sweeney's list, Allison. Okay, let's hear it. I'll count them. I'll count them up from number five: Tender Mercies, which is definitely a classic starting over movie with Robert Duvall. Kramer versus Kramer, Breaking the Waves, Hoosiers, which I I would not have thought of as a yeah. starting over movie, but and his number one, Train Spotting. Okay. an interesting choice. Interesting choice. I mean, I guess that kind of ends with starting over. So, mm-hmm. and uh, Sam's list had a lot of um, overlap with Adams. He had a history of violence as well. Uh, he had the born identity as well. He also had the man without a past, and his number one pick was my man Godfrey. My man Godfrey. So there you go. That was uh, those are some of the film spotting original recipe picks for starting over movies. You can listen to that whole show if you go find it in the archives on filmspotting.net. But now it's it's our turn to give some of our picks, some different movies that are uh, all about starting over. We've got one pick each for renting and one pick each for streaming that are uh, gonna we're gonna talk about. Allison, why don't you start? What's your first pick?
0: Sure, my first pick is available for rent. It is available for rent on Amazon, Google Play, Sony Vudu, and YouTube. So you have many options there. And it is Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. This is the 1974 film directed by Martin Scorsese and written by Robert Getchell. It's one of Scorsese's early films and I think maybe his only one to have a female protagonist. Well, besides Boxcar Bertha, I guess. Yeah, that I can think of. Yeah, aside from that. It stars Ellen Burstyn, who won an Academy Award for the role as Alice, a housewife who uh, is in a marriage that she probably has never really given a lot of thought to as being unhappy, though it clearly is. And then her husband dies in an accident and she and her 12-year-old son pack up and they go on the road. And what's interesting about this story is that in a a contemporary movie, you could very easily see this as being like, you know, this freeing adventure, especially since Alice sets out to kind of rediscover her, her childhood youth dream, youthful dream of being a singer. But Alice isn't really, she's kind of in between generations. And I think this movie is very informed by you know, like women's lib and, but she's not, she's, she's kind of halfway between being comfortable, being independent and being completely terrified and having never really given a lot of thought to what she wants to do with her life or what she would do with her life, given options. She also doesn't really have a lot of uh, practical skills in terms of working. So she starts trying to get work as a singer, uh, having never done this, you know, aside from when she was 19 before she was married and the film, I think, does a really nice job of, of having Ellen when she's, or Ellen Burstyn, when she's singing, be very compelling while also not being a naturally excellent singer. So uh, it, as far as, as starting over movies go, it's very satisfyingly unpredictable in terms of, of where it's going because it doesn't kind of traipse off to be like, now she's going to finally fulfill the dreams she's always wanted. She just hasn't really given a lot of thought to to actual independent life. And uh, she has different relationships that she kind of stumbles into, primarily one with uh, a a farmer, a rancher played by Chris Christofferson, who tries to win her over, but also has to deal with the fact that she is in this moment of kind of crisis of of not, not knowing what to do next. Uh, It's a great performance from Burstyn. And I think she's not a character who's just kind of very easily heroic this is a character who's kind of vulnerable and also sometimes kind of a mess. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it makes for an interesting film that just doesn't go the places you kind of expect this story to go in. Well,
1: let me give you a hint. Honey, unbutton that top button. Really? Yeah. If you bend over, how so you get more tips when you're working. You're kidding. I'm oh, not kidding. I got $50 last week. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Honey, forget what I said. You do that and I'm never going to get a tip again.
0: <laughs> oh, you are so funny. Oh, boy, you really need someone to talk to, don't you? Uh, so in terms of starting over, it really shows someone actually having to do the work of starting over, you know, being kind of dumped out into finding a new life and actually having to, to kind of struggle for it, you know, not just set off down the road, knowing which direction you want to go in. And so it's, it's a really, it's, you know, an interesting early Scorsese film, but it's also just an interesting one of its era of having this liberated, whether she wants it or not, protagonist having to, to seek out the life she wants That is Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. It's available for rent on Amazon, Google Play, Sony, Vudu, and YouTube.
1: All right. That's a good pick. My first pick is going to be something a little, maybe something you wouldn't immediately think of when you think of starting over movies, but I think it definitely fits. It's Psycho 2, available now on Hulu. I've mentioned it before in a Behind the Eight Ball segment on the show, but now I get a chance to talk about it a little bit longer, and I, I like this movie. I think it's an interesting movie. And yeah, I think it's a I think it's a starting over movie. And the thing was when I was thinking about what movies fit here, a lot of the stuff I was thinking of It was not stuff I really wanted to talk about that I really wanted to rewatch now that I wanted to recommend. There's a lot of like just very formulaic schlock. It's kind of like a tried and true formula. It's a feel-good formula. It's a feel-good formula. You go somewhere
0: new. You put a new life together. Right. You meet quirky people. Yeah,
1: take a character who's down on their luck, put them in a new situation, give them some quirky friends. And, a you know, like Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore is sort of like one of the better versions of the formula. You know, like it kind of treads familiar territory, but it just does it with a little less – sappiness a little less cliche and with a lot more you know just good filmmaking basically and good acting
0: yeah well it, and i feel like it also just it makes you i think it kind of half invents the formula you know as it goes it feels like it is
1: yeah well know? it's an earlier film too exactly. i mean there's yeah. been a lot of sort of knockoffs of that movie uh in the years since but psycho 2 is certainly not like those films although it is about a character who's starting over it's uh set uh, like 20 years after Psycho. And Norman Bates has been deemed sane, and he's he's allowed to leave the asylum. He had been convicted, or I guess found not guilty by reason of insanity, I suppose. So he's now let out of an asylum uh, at the behest of his psychiatrist, who's played by Robert Loja. Awesome. (laughs) And uh, Robert Loja decides he's okay, and he can go back to living in the house the crazy psycho house, and um, he can get a job. and I just like
0: that's such a good thing for his sanity, really, is to go right back to right. this crazy house right. where you lived with the corpse of your mother. <laughs>
1: right, and lo and behold, almost immediately, even though he's been judged sane, he starts thinking he's hearing voices, he thinks his mother is alive again and in the house and talking to him, he's getting strange phone calls, he's finding notes from his mother, and little by little, his... Uh, His hard-fought sanity begins to break down, and, you know, obviously the movie is not even close to being as good as Psycho. And in a lot of ways, this movie stands for everything I hate. Just the (laughs) very idea of, like, 20 years later being like, hey, what can we make a sequel of? Like, what property is out there? That still has some – that we haven't, like, wrung like a towel. We haven't wrung every last drop of money we can make out of it. What's out there? Oh, Psycho! We never made a sequel to that. Uh, Anthony Perkins, are you interested? Or Okay, let's, let's do that. So, the, the, you know, the, what was surely the impetus for making it is – it really does – it's just everything I hate. And yet I really find this movie very interesting. And I like the movie as just – you know, as what it is, as like a mystery. It's a kind of a very fun mystery. It's an interesting mystery. It's got a lot of great actors, character actors. Uh, Vera Miles is actually in it as well from Psycho. She played, uh, you know, Janet Lee's sister in the original movie. She, re- she reprises her role here very effectively. Uh, Meg Tilly has one of the key supporting roles as one of Norman's co workers, this young girl who works. In the diner where he gets a job out of out of the asylum and they strike up a friendship. You've got Robert Loja. You've also got Dennis Franz has a small but very l- delicious role as the guy who's been running the Bates Motel in his absence and is just a real ball, And uh, he's fantastic. But besides the sort of the mystery, the horror, the suspense elements, and I think all of those work surprisingly well – there's something really interesting to me about this movie as, it's like a, almost like a meta-textual tragedy. Like, Anthony Perkins himself, the person, like, can't escape Norman Bates. And, and, and this, because the story is about Norman Bates kind of being quote-unquote cured, and then being forced, almost against his will, to go live in the house where he went crazy, and work in the motel where he went crazy, and hang out in this, you know, like, and, and like, Everything reminds him of Psycho, everywhere he goes. There's a great scene towards the beginning of the movie where he's still relatively holding it together, and he's making dinner, cheese sandwiches and milk, and he offers it to Meg Tilly, and she's like, well, don't you have a knife? And the only knife he has is the giant butcher knife that's, like, polished and gleaming, and he's like, oh, no. No,
0: I'm afraid. I don't. I, I just moved back here after being many years away, and- i forgot to bring any
1: (sighs) cutlery. everywhere he looks he's reminded of psycho and it's like this thing hanging over his head and you just you wonder how much of it is about like anthony perkins the guy who had a long career a very successful career but also was you know he like this he became synonymous with this part and you just wonder how much of his life was spent dealing with always being the guy who dressed up like his mother you know and you wonder if that is in there and or at least i don't wonder i find that in there and i find that aspect of it really interesting and actually it turns the movie beyond being just a horror movie into kind of a tragedy as well i mean it's really sad like you really kind of feel for norman bates as this guy he just can't escape it i mean people are like it's like his past he's not allowed to escape his past he will always be that guy and there's something kind of beautifully sad about that uh it's about the impossibility of starting over. You can try, Allison, to start over, but uh, the past will inevitably catch up with you wielding a butcher knife and wearing a wig. So, there you go. That's Psycho 2 and is available now on Hulu.
0: If only he'd moved to a new small, quirky town. He that's right.
1: Made some friends. Yes. Fallen worked in, in a, love. Right. If he would worked at Mel's Diner from Alice Doesn't Live Here anymore, he might have had better luck. But no, he stayed in Fair that's, Fairvale or wherever he's from. That's
0: the trouble. That was a yeah. big,
1: big mistake.
0: Though, interestingly, my, my second pick, which is available for streaming on Netflix and Hit Bliss, is about the idea of getting to start over while staying in the same place you've always been, mm. which is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind directed by Michelle Gondry and written by Charlie Kaufman, 2004 film. And I think, you know, certainly one of, if not the best film from the last decade, but it is about the ability to just wipe this whole portion of your life out, right? Mm-hmm. Like t- Lacuna Inc, the the fictional company it has uh, in its strip mall, uh, can erase your memories. And so if you have like a whole painful relationship, which is the case here, it can be removed and you can start over. And one of the things I find interesting about a lot of starting over movies or even like movies, you know, the, the born movies uh, are about, you know, a kind of similar idea, right? Like of having all of this, this chunk of your life wiped out and you, rather than just going somewhere new and starting over, you literally kind of get brought back to an earlier you Is that, uh, you know, that you can kind of become a better, do things better, become a better person, right? Jason Bourne is a nicer guy when he's had, uh, underneath, like having all these experiences wiped out. He's he's a better person. There's a documentary, which is unfortunately not streaming, called Unknown White Male, about uh, a guy who is a former Wall Street kind of big shot, arrogant asshole, who is found wandering with amnesia. Uh, and unexplained and no one knows why, but uh, he becomes like a much nicer guy suddenly Mm -hmm. as if these memories are gone. So that idea that's inherent of like, not just, uh, if you could go back, that you could be a better, like underneath you'd be a better person. What I love about Eternal Sunshine is that, you know, Joel Barish played by Jim Carrey and Clementine Krasinski played by Kate Winslet get their relationship wiped out of their heads and then end up doing the exact same thing. They end up ex- coming back together exactly, you know, as they were. They they are drawn together even in a random meeting, you know, running off to uh, running off to Montauk off season and playing hooky from work. And I I really like that idea that that no, just because you you kind of erased a whole chunk of your past doesn't mean that you wouldn't just fall back into doing the same things. And it's one of the kind of most offbeat ideas and the uh, romantic ideas that the movie puts up which is that accepting the fact that even with all of the pain it'll probably bring and with all of the the you know certain incompatibilities that they've had they have already experienced in a relationship that they're willing to try things again anyway because brought back to the beginning all they can remember are that that they are reminded of all of the feelings of excitement when they first met my name is clementine by the way I'm Joel. Hi, Joel. No jokes about my name. Oh, no. You wouldn't do that. You're trying to be nice. I don't know any jokes about your name. Huckleberry Hound. I don't know what that means. Huckleberry Hound? Are you nuts? It's been suggested. <laughs> oh, my darling,
1: oh, my darling, oh, my darling, Clementine. You were lost and gone forever. No. Sorry. It's
0: just, it's a pretty name, though. It really is nice. It's uh, means merciful, right? Uh, clemency. Although it hardly fits, I'm a vindictive little bitch, truth be told. In seeing all of these movies about fresh starts and like you know new lives and starting over, and y- you rarely get a reminder that you are still fundamentally the same person, mm-hmm. and that. You don't always get to manage to do something totally new, you know, that you might get a chance to, but it's just as likely you do the same thing. And, and maybe in the case of this movie, it suggests that's not such a bad thing. So that is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, currently streaming on Netflix and Hit Bliss.
1: Okay, my last pick is a film that I feel was robbed, robbed, Allison, of a, of a Oscar, uh, an award if not a nominee here it is the house bunny and if you ask me and i you all did you just don't remember it but i was there you were all drunk anna Ferris, the sublime comedian deserved the academy award for best actress for the house bunny she was beaten robbed i say by kate winslet in the reader allison did you ever see kate winslet in the reader yes and, and in the years since, have you thought, man, what a glorious performance that deserves to be enshrined in the halls of great acting for all eternity? No, you haven't. I'll answer for you. You haven't. You haven't, right? <laughs> no. No, I didn't think so. This is really one of my most favorite comedies of the last couple of years, and a, a cruelly overlooked and underrated comedy with a really great performance from Anna Ferris and I'm, 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 I have my tongue in, in my cheek here as I say these things about the Academy Awards, but it's not in there very far. I kind of actually believe that uh, this this is a better performance than Kate Winslet in The Reader. Prove me wrong, dear listeners, prove me wrong. She stars as Shelley Darlington, a uh, Playboy playmate who is uh, summarily kicked out of the Playboy Mansion. Her, her glorious utopian life in the Playboy Mansion, drinking margaritas and partying all day. Because she is now the ripe old age of 27. And once you were, you know, it's like Logan's Run. Once you reach that age in the Playboy Mansion, you're you're dead. You, you're exiled to uh, the Forbidden Zone or whatever. In this case, she's cast out and, and she finds a job at the only place that seems to resemble the Playboy Mansion. A, a A frat house at a local college. She finds a job as a house mother in a sorority full of nerds, losers, and dorks. They're all as is the style of all Hollywood movies. They're all incredibly gorgeous young women who are just, you know, they are... They're
0: wearing glasses. They're
1: wearing glasses. That's right. Yes, the, the, the sort of the leader of the sorority is played by the hideous, troll-like Emma Stone, <laughs> the ghoulish, <laughs> disgusting Emma Stone, and the other loathsome, unattractive women of this uh, uh, sorority named Zeta, it also include Kat Dennings, Catherine McPhee... And Rumor Willis. Oh, they are so ugly, <laughs> Allison. They are hideous. No, they are, yes, okay. So that is, yes, it's a cliche to have beautiful women or beautiful men. And they do it with men sometimes as well. Playing, you know, nerds, geeks, dweebs, or whatever it is. But this, I think this movie almost redeems the stereotype just by, you know, actresses like Emma Stone being so unbelievably appealing in that part. She sort of turns the hot, ugly duckling role into something that's not incredibly stupid just by just by the fact that she's so charmingly dorky in 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 the part oh my gosh that's exactly what i used to do back at the mansion can i be one too i'm sorry this is a sorority not a brothel a brothel oh i'm not looking to make soup i'm looking to be like you i want to be a house mother we have standards standards that you clearly do not meet but it was nice to meet you but, I just totally. but that's that's you know that's on the sides. The main attraction here is Anna Faris as Shelley. She gives a a tour de force performance. And in anyone else's hands, this would definitely be this movie could probably be unwatchable. I would say. I mean, just the idea of a character and the whole joke is kind of on her because she's a bit of an airhead, you know. But you really because of the way Anna Faris plays it, she's so she has such a heart. She's so likable and so funny. And so sweet that you just you just fall for it. The whole you know how many how many actresses could pull this off? I would argue basically none, but she pulls it off. She is absolutely fabulous. I mean, all the little I mean, she has a great uh, chemistry with Colin Hanks, who plays the guy, the only guy apparently who doesn't fall for the whole Playboy shtick. You know, the Playboy Bunny shtick of just you know being breathy and uh, cutesy and all of her little tricks that she teaches the sorority to uh endear themselves to the uh, fairer sex they don't work on him and she has to sort of she learns a lesson about beauty and inner beauty allison because that's what it's really all about in this world inner beauty i just think this movie is hilarious i just i just rewatched it and uh, i was still laughing i thought it was really funny i saw it in the theater in 2008 i didn't understand why nobody else liked it thought it was great I saw it again last night. I still think it's great. It, it's not available for rental. You have to actually purchase it. But my recommendation would be go to Amazon. I went. I bought it on Amazon. It's five dollars to buy it. So now I own it forever. It was like two bucks more than renting it. Most movies are what three bucks to rent. So it's two bucks extra. Now I have it forever. I can watch it as long as Amazon is in business. I can watch The House Bunny over and over. I can watch uh, Anna Faris remember people's names by saying them in that weird spooky voice. that's how she remembers names for some reason she does it throughout the movie it's a running gag it's amazing anyway i will never forgive the academy awards for overlooking this performance but it's not too late for you to overlook it you can watch it now on amazon itunes google play and voodoo it is the house bunny
0: it's an interesting choice i I may not no no i think she starts over she does. No, She's she does. Exiled. I, I may not share your degree of love for this mi- movie, but I love Anna Ferris And I do think she is sorely underappreciated she is. as an actress. She, she has
1: a show, right? She's she in does. A, she, she has, has a, a, new, a new
0: sitcom coming up. I think it's on ABC. Nah, I can't remember. Which you haven't seen it yet. Um, I have seen it. You have seen it. Yeah, it's okay. Can you say how it is? It's. its is? I've seen the pilot. It's her and Allison Janney, who's also extremely talented and yes. very funny. Yes. It, it's uh it's a network sitcom Mm -hmm. but it's actually not so bad it's about basically like multiple generations of women
1: does she get Uh, to really shine is it an is it a is it a is it a a vehicle for her to do the things that she she does that you're so great which is physical comedy it
0: has potential yes
1: does she get to do any physical comedy
0: in it yes and also it's about she plays a single mom who who starts over yes Basically. And this is, is <laughs> as like a recovering alcoholic who's working as a waitress and kind of trying to put her life together and be a good mom and deal with her crazy mom. Wow. Hey, it does Alice sound like Alice
1: doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Uh, it's yeah, Anna Ferris you know. in Alice doesn't live here anymore. Sounds pretty awesome. To yeah. Me, and I,
0: I, you know, it's interesting. She had talked about at TCA, which is the big press tour they do for all mm-hmm. the new shows. She talked about how uh, she felt like her career has really been held back. By doing scary movie and all of that, she was seen as like a spoof actress, you know. But I, I you know, to your point about the Academy Awards and all of that, it takes incredible talent to be a comedic actress
1: of like to
0: to the with the skill she has. Right. But it never gets looked at as seriously as no. dramatic acting. So. I mean she's
1: great in so many movies. She's great in the scary movie movies. She is, and, and she's
0: amazing in smiley face. face is oh, the other one so good.
1: where she plays a pothead on this epic un-epic quest, which is just absolutely brilliant and is another showcase. I'm not joking when I say I think this movie is, this part is incredibly hard to play. The line she's walking, because there is this potentially sort of sexist component to it, that she has to, like, thread that needle, and she has to make it, she's the one who's sort of called upon to not make it sexist, essentially, and I think she pulls it off. I mean, she is just so wonderful in this movie, and it, you know, she turns this potential stereotype into a character that's so funny, and also really likeable. I mean, there's a, there is a you know, towards the end of the movie, the you know, the inevitable kind of emotional moments, but she really sells them. She's she really is more than a spoof actress, but she's also brilliant at that stuff. I mean, she is she's really good. She deserves she deserves to be a bigger actress. I hope I hope the show is really good. I'm looking forward to checking it out. There's not a lot of TV shows I'm actively waiting to see. I may not like it, but I am looking forward to it. All right, one more time. It's The House Bunny, available for purchase on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, and Vudu. Thanks for meeting me. Not a problem I'm interested in hearing how things are going with the program Yeah? Yeah, And with you, in general I got a job Really? What is it? Parking lot attendant (laughs) That's great Yeah, a lot of people have trouble with that first hurdle Things are tough, especially now No, it is really good that you got that Yeah, I mean, it's something to do Somewhere to be is more like it how are things going with Steve Helms? Fine. Yeah. Don't want to be rude, but is there a reason that you wanted to meet me and not him? Well, I did call him. We talked for a little bit. He's a really nice guy.
0: He's just a uh, very Christian.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, I believe in God. I just feel like I'm a fraud around him. God. No, Steve.
0: That brings us to our listeners' choice section, in which we let you, the listeners, vote on one of three options to be our main review. And the choices we gave you in the last episode were all recent films. This is Martin Bonner, Kiss of the Damned, and The Lords of Salem. And the race came down to Martin Bonner and Lords of Salem, but Martin Bonner beat out the Rob Zombie movie by a pretty solid margin. So this is Martin Bonner is the second film from Chad Hardigan, who previously wrote and directed the 2008 film Luke and Brie are on a first date. He is also, Matt, the winner of season one of the game show Ultimate Film Fanatic, which aired on IFC, the network for which we both used to work. So he
1: that is, is an interesting bit of yes, trivia. the
0: ultimate film fanatic, the champion of season one. So uh, he clearly knows his movies in addition to Mm. making them. This is Martin Bonner stars Paul Einhorn in his first major role. Uh, After working as an actor for years, he plays the title character who's a man who moves to Reno to start a job at a faith based organization that helps prisoners reintegrate into outside life and get back on their feet. Martin has two grown children he speaks to on the phone. He's divorced, and after having worked for a church for much of his life, he's no longer particularly religious, but he's basically committed to this way of life because it's all the work experience he has. And he ends up striking up a friendship with Travis Holloway, played by Richmond Arquette, a man who has been released after 12 years in prison. Now, this film premiered at Sundance earlier this year, and it was acquired by Monterey Media out of the festival, played at many other festivals after that, was released in theaters on June 28th, and is already on Netflix, which just kind of goes to show... How the windows have been collapsing, especially for indie films. Mm. Uh, the film won an audience award at Sundance, and you know, from the surface, it definitely appears to have many of the qualities that we would describe—not always with enthusiasm—as Sundancey. Mm. It's a slice of life movie about an unconventional friendship. It's kind of small in scale and has details that could be described as quirky. I mean, there's a whole scene in which Martin goes on a speed date. So, Matt, my question for you is, did you feel that the film fulfills those expectations or does it manage to do something different?
1: I would say it maybe both. It, it certainly fulfills some of those expectations, but it, it, it breaks out of the mold in a, in a few ways. And I think if it breaks out of the mold in any particular way, it's, it's, it's by doing it with just uh, a lot of skill and, and good acting. Really good acting. I mean, I thought that this was just a really great showcase for two guys who uh, haven't gotten a lot of great roles in their careers, but have an opportunity here, and they both seized it. Um, If they're, you know, I I joked about that whole meta textual element to Psycho 2, where I thought, you know, maybe Anthony Perkins was making a movie, although he didn't direct it or write it, but I don't know, drawing on his own life to play this character who couldn't escape his past. Uh, maybe these guys, these actors, were drawing on their own sort of frustrations and their desires to start over or to, you know, get another shot at it uh, in this movie, and really drawing on that personal aspect to bring out the sort of sadness of their characters, which I think they both do really well. I, I, I mean. It is a very small movie. It's like eighty minutes. It's I don't know how many characters have speaking part six, maybe? I mean yeah, very few. Very few speaking roles. It's really uh just about a couple of people. Uh you know, there's not a lot of locations even. I mean it's a really classic kind of indie movie, just the way it looks, the way it sounds, the way it's filmed, the number of actors in it, the budget must have been, you know, minuscule. But it's made with love. It's made with love and passion. And it has, you know, the things you're looking for in a movie like this, which is just, you know, it has personality. It has a point of view. It's clearly made by a guy who, who is, a, is an ultimate film fanatic. He You know, he's a, clearly a smart guy, a smart filmmaker. And uh, I thought the two lead actors were great. And, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, this movie didn't, you know, blow my mind. But I, it's not really the kind of movie that's made to blow your mind. It's a movie that's just sort of made to just sort of do what it does in a small but very effective way. And I think that's what it does.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I like this movie a lot. I don't think it has any aims to, yeah, like blast you out of your seat. But I think it's extremely generous of spirit. Mm-hmm. And also, I really enjoyed the specificity of the details, that it has characters who don't feel like characters. They do feel like people in that and and same with the setting, that all of these things are not... The movie is not about, specifically, being an Australian guy living in the U.S., even though, you know, Martin, like the actor who plays him, happens to be Australian. Uh, it's not about Reno as a city. It's not about church, necessarily, or prison. Mm. It's It's very... It's about two characters who are made up of all of these experiences interacting in this world. But it is not... You know, it doesn't feel like it was created based specifically on one of those elements and then fleshed out around there. Mm. And I think that's pretty rare in a film, especially one of this size, to to not feel like you under, like understand the theme that was uh, at the heart of the movie, you know, that it, it feels like it was based around characters who are fully fleshed out the film kind of grew, grew around them mm-hmm. in a way that i think is is pretty unusual and impressive right you know there's little things from from the the idea of the organization he's working for and the fact that he you know is both seems to be working hard at it and enjoys it enough but is also he has no particular dedication to doing this work mm-hmm. right it's a job right to little side details like going to uh, the auction house to buy a lamp which he puts on ebay Mm -hmm. or the the conversations with his son or the you know the messages he leaves for his son
1: to me it doesn't even have to be that big like when you say specificity like one of the things i noticed about this movie that maybe this is like clearly one of my hang-ups and we might have talked about this on the podcast before i hate 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 in movies tv shows anything when people have phone conversations and they hang up the phone without saying goodbye they're having conversations and then they just put the phone down because there's like, you know, it's in the interest of pacing and...
0: And because it's a movie and you understand that like in a movie phone conversation, it
1: people just do don't people talk do like that. normal human beings. exactly
0: It's like you go up and say, I'll have a
1: beer at the bar. Right. People do that in movies only. Right. And and in this movie, when every conversation ends with someone saying goodbye and putting down like... Or oh, he says, I'll call you in I'll a few days. I'll call you in a few days. Yeah. Goodbye. You know, like and i just appreciated that i appreciated the fact like you said that the you know it doesn't feel like it's shoving these characters into some sort of uh, uh, you know mold to fill out a theme or some big story you know i appreciated the fact that it was just allowed to observe these people that felt so real in this environment that felt so real and just let the drama sort of naturally kind of build from there um another movie that was at sundance this year, also highly acclaimed, which I just saw, which, as you're describing this movie, you reminded me of, um, is Fruitvale Station is another movie about you know a real you know like uh, that's actually based on tr- a true story. And also kind of takes this small approach, but at times it kind of forgets that, and it adds in all of these kind of uh, – have you seen Fruitvale Station? I have. It kind of adds in all these very contrived yeah. elements, and I loved the performances in that movie too, and I, I think it's – it's, that movie is is good, and it's worth seeing, but it could have been a great movie, but I was actually really put off by these these very theatrical, very movie-ish yeah. elements, you know. and this movie – I guess maybe it's possible – because i saw these movies within a few days of each other it's possible i like this movie more because this movie works very hard not to do that it doesn't force martin into a crazy plot where his his son who he's having these kind of long distance con- calls with his answering machine or whatever you know the son isn't missing and now i have to go on the road and find my son you know that th- it doesn't force that on the movie it lets it stay as these phone conversations or packages sent between them like it allows it to be the way a life like this might actually happen and evolve and like there's still drama it's not like it's boring but the drama is like allowed to be small and real and i just appreciated that about it that you just allow the characters to be themselves in their world and you don't force some of this uh artificiality on them
0: right and i I feel as opposed to fruitvale station you never feel the film kind of like leaning on you to be like this is what this film is about and i think you know if the film if there's ever a moment and i didn't think it really it wasn't until after the film was over that i felt like it was kind of maybe that moment that it would happen is is when uh one of the character's daughters says something about how i guess when you're older like, you know, it's, it's, you don't change that much, mm-hmm. right? And she's talking about how uh, her father looks the same as in a photo from, like, 10 years ago right. or 20, you know? But it it does speak to the fact that these are two characters who are are not at a convenient kind of traditional point of, tr- of change in your life, mm-hmm. right? That Martin is in his apparent, like, his late 50s, maybe, or older. It's not... There's no kind of easy set path to be, like what does it look like when you start a new life at that age? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and especially if you're moving somewhere new. Uh, And and I thought that was really nicely done. You know, there are very few moments in this movie that I felt the director's hand, you know, and, and, and i thought that was
1: impressive the starting overness is in there though i mean there's a lot of starting over i mean both, literally like literally he is,
0: yeah has to figure out you know martin bonner what to do. is
1: starting over yes. the guy coming out of jail is starting over even the mentor that the guy uh coming out of jail gets has talks about his journey his starting over which happened when he was like 16 i think and he was a born-again christian and so like like that's that that it's in there
0: oh yeah absolutely. you're gonna find it i mean like it but has it doesn't to...
1: hit you over the head with it
0: right right and i i actually i really liked the film's treatment of faith mm. and you know saying that there are a lot of elements in here but none of them feels like the film was created around them specifically uh oftentimes especially in indie movies when characters are christian it's usually brought up specifically so that they can I, don't know, I usually say something offensive right uh, you know christianity does not fa- no, to, it, fare well, usually
1: those characters are there hypocritical to be, to be, yeah and they're there to be condemned yes to exactly. expose their hypocrite you know hypocriticalness. yes yeah.
0: and I, I think there's the dinner scene in which the the character who has gotten out of jail has dinner with his his mentor who is extremely religious and his yeah. wife is very religious it's like a great conversation because you can kind of you can sense this character's how he's uncomfortable with someone who has this level of faith. Right. But at the same time, you, these are such kind people, you know, and he totally appreciates that they are being incredibly kind to him. And it's, it's, and they're not hypocrites and and they don't have an
1: ulterior motive. Exactly. They're just nice people. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, faith, faith is part of that. And, you know, the film does this really nice thing of showing how kindness can kind of be born of or supported by faith, but Mm -hmm. that also it can come from just, it's pos- It comes from people. You know, there's a, there's an act of kindness towards the end of the movie that does not come from faith. It comes mm-hmm. from just being an act of kindness, and it's really nicely done. Yeah, you know, and I, I it's I think those like having those two exist in parallel was 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 very nice. Uh, what did you think of the way the film was shot? It's it kind of shot a little more artfully than say you know the the. Maybe your typical indie.
1: Well, I mean, I, the one thing I thought, uh, just in a general sense, was how good the movie looked on Netflix. Um, it's a very bright movie. It's shot in a lot of like uh, you know bright daytime with very bright light, and uh, it looks very sharp and and crisp. I don't. I mean, I don't know if the, how the technology of Netflix is evolving and how much shooting a movie like this is movie is just a few months old and how much shooting it in HD and how that helps. But you know, this movie looks better on netflix than a lot of hollywood movies do not maybe not the most recent ones but just from you know five ten years ago if you watch those movies on netflix the print of it is really pristine is very sharp and bright and uh, i it was it's a nice movie to look at in terms of some of the more i would say uh, more visual moments i don't know if they necessarily add that much maybe you can sort of explain s- some of them to me i, I they're not distracting per se, but I don't know that they added all that. But there's a a shot that I'm sure if you've seen the movie at home, if you're listening now, you'll know exactly as soon as I describe it, just where the camera sort of pans 360 degrees around the environment of Reno. And it's interesting to sort of get the full sense of the environment. And I felt like the one thing that that adds – Is a sense that you're not on a movie set, that you're not. There's no, there's no crew, there's no anybody around. Like you're literally seeing, you know, the the cars that are driving by on the street are not extras. These, this is, this is we're like this is Reno. This is the real place. We haven't gussied it up with a lot of lights and and sets and and production. Where, you know, it, it's, it lends a, a documentary element to it. And I suppose that that's something in its favor. But I would say the movie has such a convincing kind of documentary feel to it in general that I, I don't really need that.
0: Yeah, I I was I had very mixed feelings about those shots. I mean, that one actually really reminded me very strongly of Battle in Heaven. There's a, a similar shot in oh, that. Oh, I know where which one you're talking you're, yeah, about. Yeah, except, of course, it comes in the context of some much more explicit. Yes. Con- yeah. But there is like a, a shot where it kind of pulls away from the characters and the camera goes 360 out the window and you see Mexico City and kind of back around. And it really reminded me very strongly of that. But also, I mean, I don't know that being t- sh- taken out of the movie to be like, wow, that looks a lot like a Carlos Regadas film mm. is necessarily a good thing. You know, I, I mean, I appreciate the ambition that went into some of these shots and some of the other ones are composed kind of very artfully. There are a few, I remember noticing a few shots, but I don't know. I mean, I, while I appreciate that, that's, you know, unusual, I think for sometimes like films of this kind of scale, it occasionally kind of brought me out of the movie Mm. because it drew I think it kind of draws attention to itself so yeah Mm. but I I, I agree it looks like it looks really good Mm -hmm. it is like very crisp and particularly for Einhorn it does a great job of just showcasing he has a great face he looks yeah you know like kind of he looks like someone who's lived quite Mm -hmm. a bit and also just someone who he has like a very kind looking face he is someone you know who looks like you'd want to confide in him yeah and i i think you know you understand why a character would latch on to him
1: yeah the one other thing i wanted to mention that i had in my notes that i had thought about as i was watching it is you know in our in our line of work people are constantly and more all the more all the time talking about movies and tv which one is better tv has gotten so much better than movies you know tv is the place now where you can tell stories and really it's a place for these great characters you can do so much more because you have so much scope and I, to a certain extent that might be true but i what i what i really liked about this movie was it almost presented like an an alternate model where it's not like movies have to become just blockbusters and just spectacle to do something different than television because they can't tell a story on such a big scale you know it's like tv can be novels and movies can be short stories you know i felt like i was watching a great short story you know we don't have to have a really complicated plot. You know, like you think about the great – and they are great TV shows. Like The Sopranos, right? It's a brilliant character study, but it's also a – you know, this incredibly complicated mob drama, it's a family drama. It's a big story. Yeah. Right, and a lot of stuff happens. Plot, 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 plot. Character is huge, but the plot is so important and so essential to everything that's going on. And this movie doesn't need – sort of what we were talking about with Fruitvale Station. It's like it doesn't need – you know homemade meth labs and the mafia or you know the fate of an of an advertising company it can just be about two guys having this relationship like and i found that really exciting in a sense because you don't miss that other stuff or at least i didn't miss that other stuff i wasn't sitting there going oh when is something going to happen when are these characters going to do something i was like isn't it great that we can watch this movie where they don't have to do something they can just be they can just be themselves they can just be these people and you can allow moments like there's a moment in this movie and, if, and I would say the movie is really good, but it's, you know, like we said, it doesn't, it's not like, it's not going to change your life, but there's a scene in this movie where it's as little as Martin Bonner taking out, a, like I think an eight track of his old music and listening to it. This is, he used to be in a band when he was a, when he was a young man, which has come out sort of organically through the dial. He mentioned it. It's like just a curiosity of his life. At one point he was in a band. And he listens to the music and he just dances to his own music. Scene over all the you know tortured, forced uh, plot drama of like a you know movies that I'm not I'm not saying I don't want uh, you know Mad Men and Breaking Bad and all these shows I'm saying like a movie that tries to force uh, you know really artificial stuff on on movies that don't require it give me this kind of drama this is a guy kind of grappling with his life yeah without any words. Just a just an actor sort of really drawing on his own life experience and bringing that forward in, in, in visual ways, that I, that scene is just magical.
0: It is. It's really great, and um, and I, I believe it's actually from the actor's own band. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me. I definitely but thought I, it was possible. Yeah, but I you know I agree, and I think you know it would take it would take that over a million feisty, wisecracking heroin addicted grandfather figures. Right. You know, in a lot of other probably you know.
1: much more successful
0: successful indie movies yeah and uh, you know i i I think it's a great point so uh, this is martin bonner obviously we're both fans it is available for streaming on
1: netflix all right let's wrap things up on this episode with behind the eight ball a countdown of three new titles two listener recommendations and one film chosen blindly at random by number from our netflix my lists not our cues not called cues anymore Allison. my list your your my list and my my list yes yes we got that got it you're going first are you ready to start i am ready all right let's start with three new titles
0: all right first up is rise which is new on hulu this is the 2005 documentary from photographer david la chapelle And it's about two different dance cultures in Los Angeles, uh, clowning and crumping. Crumping. Yes. And, you know, this uh, documentary has uh, been occasionally criticized for some type, some say like uh, having style over maybe substance in terms of dealing with issues of poverty and violence in, in, in Los Angeles, but it has amazing, amazing dance footage. And that both includes these very stylized, uh, Footage of the dancers out, like on the beach, or you know, out in different places, shot. And David Chappelle has a very distinctive way of shooting people, both on film and uh, in photos. But also the battle zone, which is the whole kind of tournament where they, the the different members go up against each other in front of this whole crowd, is really exciting. It's mm-hmm. great. Like that whole sequence is amazing. So Rise is currently it's new on Hulu. And uh, new to Netflix is To the Wonder, the latest film from the suddenly extremely prolific and fast-working Terrence Malick. Uh, this is the film that stars Ben Affleck, Olga Kurlyenko, Rachel McAdams, and Javier Bardem. Affleck plays an American man who falls in love with a Ukrainian divorcee and brings her with him to Oklahoma. And it's, uh, it was a divisive film, I think, like not... Uh, Tree of Life got considerably more acclaim, I think, whereas right. To the Wonder was a bit more argued over. But mm. it, at any rate, Malik in terms of visuals, you know, can't be equaled. If if it's a certain type of visual, yes, roll your eyes, Matt. I know you hate you hate
1: all beauty. <laughs> I hate and joy. beauty. Yeah. I hate beauty. Exactly. To also, the boring.
0: Also- what. Also, new on Netflix sorry, 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 is the new year. This is a twenty ten indie that got a lot of acclaim on the festival circuit like a, just a very small movie, but you know, I think like only eventually slowly got picked up in the tiny release. So I'm glad this is on Netflix now, directed by Brett Haley, stars Trieste Kelly Dunn, who is, is one of those actresses who's been like on the verge of a breakout for a little while now. She was in cold weather, the Aaron Katz film, uh, the kind of mystery film and loves her gun which is a more recent festival film she's a really talented actress and in this film she plays a girl who kind of dropped out of college and gave up dreams of like writing to return home to Pensacola to care for her father and kind of fall into this relationship that's uh, you know kind of not particularly uh, invigorating and then her kind of high school rival who's become a stand-up comedian in New York comes home for the holidays and it sort of You know, pushes her into this crisis of of having to figure out what she really wants to do Mm. with her life, having gotten kind of stuck at home. So that is new on Netflix.
1: All right. How about two listener recommendations?
0: All right. First up, we have a recommendation of Portlandia, which is streaming on Netflix. That comes from Kenny from Denver. He writes that the new season of Portlandia has the same offbeat comedic style of Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein, but in addition to recurring character sketches where bit by bit the oddities of the Portland archetype are familiarized and sent up hilariously, there's a running thread throughout the episodes. There has never been a plot on Portlandia that goes beyond one episode, so it's fun to see the director and writers incorporate some very cinematic and compelling filmmaking, bridging episode to episode. The development of the story of the troubles of the mayor of Portland brilliantly and somehow perfectly, even though he's a Washington native, portrayed by Kyle McLaughlin. I've only seen the first five episodes, writes Kenny, but so far this season is another success for Fred and Carrie. That's Portlandia. And our second recommendation comes from Bill from Massachusetts, who suggests The Take on Hulu Plus. is a 2009 British miniseries starring Tom Hardy and Brian Cox in a crime business and family drama. Tom Hardy is at his Tom Hardiest," writes Bill, as he kills, beats and rapes his way to the top and then bottom of the crime syndicate and his own family. So that is the take. it is on Hulu Plus.:
1: OK, and one random film from your my list.:
0: You gave me number 80, and number 80 on my my list is Doctor. Detroit. This would be the 1983 comedy starring Dan Aykroyd as a shy Chicago academic who, for reasons not worth explaining, ends up pretending to be a pimp named Dr. Detroit.
1: Have you watched it yet? No, it's on my my list. Oh my god, it's so good! <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, five five hundred stars 500 for Doctor Detroit.
0: Excellent.
1: All right, Matt. by next can we make that all three listeners' choice options <laughs> yes. for our next episode? Make all, it Doctor Detroit. All Doctor Detroit. He doesn't just pose as a pimp, Allison. He poses as a pimp who talks like this, who has a robot hand. <laughs> Doctor Detroit. All right, it's currently, actual, actual it's movie currently streaming that on Netflix. really exists yes. in the real world. Yes. All right, Matt, are you ready? Uh, no, because I have to go watch Dr. Detroit right now. All right, we'll see you in two hours. Okay. Okay, now I'm back. All right, three new films. Okay, I'm going to start with Parker on Netflix. I've long said that Jason Statham is one of the most dependable movie stars in Hollywood. Not necessarily the best, simply the most dependable Movie in and movie out, you get what you pay for, which is generally a lot of tough action, plenty of style, lots of macho swagger. In this particular Statham film, which is based on a novel starring the famous title character by Donald Westlake, he plays a thief who gets double-crossed by his crew, which includes Michael Chiklis and Wendell Pierce. And then he sets out for revenge with the help of a real estate agent – played by jennifer lopez Uh, this movie is not in the same league as the great statham vehicles like crank high voltage and it's certainly not in the same league as point blank which is the ultimate parker movie with lee marvin of course but it it's 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 solid it doesn't have as much action as i'd like from a statham movie it does have one showpiece scene which is in a uh, fight in a hotel room also it's just fun to say parker like jason statham says it Parker. (laughs) Go ahead, Allison. You try it. Parker. Parker. Nice, nice. All right, so that's Parker, available now on Netflix. And next up is a movie we recommended a few months ago on our opening break segment, and it's available now on Netflix. It's called King Kelly from director Andrew Neal. and it's one of the most interesting found footage movies ever made. Rather than use the appearance of documentary style to lend a gloss of phony baloney realism to a horror movie, for example, King Kelly uses the character's obsession with filming themselves to tell a story about our entire society's obsession with filming itself. Kelly, who's played in a really great performance by Louisa Krauss, is a young woman who runs her own internet porn site and chat room. She fashions herself a... nascent web celebrity she records every waking moment of her life on her cell phone even the stuff that could be used against her in court as evidence including most of the events of one particular independence day where she tries to get back a car from her ex-boyfriend that is filled with a bunch of drugs a trunk full of drugs that she had agreed to mule Uh, uh the movie was actually shot on iphones and other small consumer cameras And it makes a very believable and very disturbing portrait of narcissistic uh, youth culture. So that's King Kelly, available on Netflix. And finally, with the recent passing of author Elmore Leonard, it's a perfect time to watch, or hopefully rewatch Get Shorty, which features John Travolta as Shylock Chili Palmer, who agrees to collect a debt from a Hollywood movie producer and winds up getting involved in the film business. Uh, Leonard's penchant for snappy dialogue, Clever plotting, lovable scoundrel characters are in full effect uh, in this very solid movie. Uh, in fact, on a recent episode of Film Spotting Original Recipe, both Adam and Josh picked uh, Travolta's Chili Palmer as the number one Elmore Leonard character of all time on screen, anyway, and I have a hard time arguing with that. So let's get shorty. It's available now on Hulu. Okay, two listener recommendations. Okay, let's start with this one from Keith from Pennsylvania who recommends Mike Birbiglia's My Girlfriend's Boyfriend now streaming on Netflix. Mike is a fantastic storyteller, as any regular listener of NPR's This American Life can tell you, and this theatrical presentation is no exception. I myself have a great connection with this show, having seen it in York, Pennsylvania last year with two friends, one of whom became My Girlfriend three months later and then this past June – became my fiancé as we watched his final performance at Carnegie Hall. Wow, this is quite a story. Unfortunately for Netflix viewers, they won't get ice cream served to them by Berbiglia himself after the film ends in a Kaufman-esque way. I'm assuming that was what happened at Carnegie Hall, but they will still enjoy a fabulous story told impeccably by one of the best comedians out there right now. So that's Mike Berbiglia, my girlfriend's boyfriend. And as we just learned, you actually need to type in like Mike Berbiglia to get this because I just typed in my girlfriend's boyfriend and it didn't show up in Netflix. Why would it so show weird. up in yeah. Netflix's search results? So type in Mike Berbiglia colon my girlfriend's boyfriend or just Mike Berbiglia. Uh, and you'll get it. That's streaming now on Netflix. And then we got a brief recommendation here from Eric Williams of the Plain Label podcast, who says, I recently watched two films on Netflix, The Details and Tell No One. The Details is a recent indie movie which stars Toby Maguire and Elizabeth Banks, Laura Linney, Ray Liotta, Kerry Washington, Dennis Haysbert, quite a cast – Uh, The Netflix plot description is, after discovering that his lawn has been completely destroyed by raccoons, frustrated Jeff foolishly cheats on his wife, Neely, which leads to a series of agonizing predicaments involving his best friend's husband and next-door neighbor, so that's the details, and then Tell No One is a highly acclaimed uh, French thriller from a few years ago from 2006 – Uh, The Netflix description is, eight years ago, pediatrician Alexander was one of the prime suspects in his wife's murder. He's put all that behind him, but now that two dead bodies have been found near his home, he's suspected of wrongdoing once again. So that was Eric recommending the details and Tell No One, both on Netflix. All right. And one from your My List. My List. You gave me number three. And number three right now on my, 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 my list is Knuckleball! Exclamation point from director Ricky Stern and Ann Sunberg. It's a documentary about pitchers. I think we talked about this in a, maybe in an opening break segment or something like that. We've mentioned it before. It's a, it's a documentary about pitchers who throw this one particular pitch, the knuckleball, which is a – when thrown successfully, an almost unhittable pitch, but it's a wildly unpredictable because of – anyway. Um, I mostly have it on here because I'm, one, a baseball fan and, two, a New York Mets fan, and one of the subjects of the documentary is uh, r.a dickey who was a new york mets pitcher for several years he is not anymore by the time this film became available on netflix he had uh, left and signed with another team so perhaps that's why i haven't watched it the <laughs> mets are so bad this year and the loss of r.a dickey hurts so much that as much as i do want to watch it which is why it's so high on my list i haven't been able to bring myself the, to 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 suffering through the agony of reminding myself of having a, a Cy Young a winner who then left the team. But anyway, that is Knuckleball, and that is available on Netflix.
0: Yeah, I am not a sports fan by any means, yeah. but I have seen that movie. Oh, you I, have? I, yeah, and it, I, it's very good. I enjoyed it. It was very interesting to me. So there you go, from uh, from you know someone who has no invested, inherent interest in the topic.
1: Okay, I'll have to check it out. All right, let's get to our listener's choice options for our next episode, and once again, we've got some relatively new titles, three new movies or new-ish movies, or an old-ish movie that's coming out soon, which qualifies as a 2013 release, actually, which is very strange, but that's how it works in this World. Ellison, world, Yeah, why don't you talk about that one
0: first? What's our first sure. pick? Our first pick is, uh first option is All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. It will be, it's available on iTunes and on demand. This is a film that premiered at multiple, like many big festivals in 2006, uh, directed by Jonathan Levine, who has since then directed The Wackness, 5050 and Warm Bodies. All the while, this film, because of like weird, the weird issues of in the industry, has sat around. Because it was basically bought by the Weinstein Company, sold to Senator, which went out of business. Ooh. So then it kind of was left in limbo for a long time. Then rebought by the Weinsteins, who in their press release positioned it as rescuing the film. Despite the fact that, I, th- I suppose technically it was their fault that it sat around in limbo the whole time to begin with. Not that that would ever stop Harvey Weinstein from sending out a press release. So that is, um, it's, it's a horror movie. It stars Amber Heard as Mandy Lane, who is a kind of beautiful outsider, a beautiful outcast, who is invited to a party in which people start to, to die in horror film-like fashion. Mm. So that's uh, your first option, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, available on iTunes and On Demand.
1: And in spite of the fact that it's been around, as you say, for so long, it's not like it's been sitting on a shelf because it was bad. The movie actually... It's gone. It was pretty well received. Yeah, we haven't seen it, but it's you know, one of the more critically acclaimed like indie horror movies of the last couple of years. And that I think that's why it's, it's kind of hung around for so long and right. hasn't just, just vanished.
0: Right. Or been kicked out to DVD. Right. Like because, it's actually getting a theatrical release. Right.
1: So. Because it's supposed to be kind of good. So... Uh, Yeah, I I still haven't seen it myself, but I am looking forward to finally catching up with it. So that would be a good option one. Option two is available now on iTunes, VOD, and it's also playing in limited release in, in a few theaters. And it's called Touchy Feely. It's the new film from director Lynn Shelton. And here's the plot description. Massage therapist Abby awakens one day to discover that she's physically repulsed by human touch, a situation that will doom her career. Meanwhile, Abby's brother Paul, a dentist with a foundering practice, experiences unexplained success. The cast uh, is Rosemary DeWitt, Josh Pice, Allison Janney, Ron Livingston, Scoot McNary, and Ellen Page. Very good cast. And, of course, Lynn Shelton uh, directed My Effortless Brilliance, Your Sister's Sister. And one of the movies that – I don't know if it – maybe it doesn't even belong in the film-spotting original recipe pantheon. It might even it – might, it might need to go in, like, the film-spotting – Valhalla or something. What's greater than the Pantheon? Hump Day, which is one of, I know, Adam uh, Kempinar's favorite movies of the last couple of years. Hump Day, he loves that movie. Uh, and this is Lynn Shelton's latest. I think she's a really talented filmmaker. It hasn't gotten great reviews. It's certainly the weakest reviewed of those movies, but uh, I'm I'm still looking forward to seeing it because I, I love all her other movies. I'm really looking forward to checking it out. And that cast is so good. It's, it's like, so how, good. Could, how could yeah. it not be good? I mean, I guess you know you it's never, gotten, know. You never uh, know it's gotten uh, it does it has gotten admittedly not fantastic reviews but i am looking forward to checking that one out it's touchy feely it's available on itunes vod and in a few theaters in the country it is in release
0: all right our third option is currently streaming on netflix that is our idiot brother which is a 2011 film directed by jesse Peretz. Jesse Peretz has directed several films, directed several episodes of Girls, and also was in the 90s band, The Lemonheads. So we're all about... So much
1: trivia. So much obscure trivia on this episode.
0: Ultimate film fanatic worthy trivia. (laughs) We could all win at Ultimate Film Fanatic. Um, So this film stars Paul Rudd as the idiot sibling in question who ends up in jail for selling pot to a cop. Uh, in actually a very funny scene and when he gets out he kind of is uh, reaches out to his much more sophisticated and apparently you know more competent siblings who are played by Elizabeth Banks Zoe Deschanel and Emily Mortimer and he ends up disrupting their lives uh, in his completely well-meaning way uh, and this film just has an incredible amount of talented comedic actors in it. Uh, just like almost every character who appears, even in a tiny role, is played by a very familiar and welcome face. So, you know, I, I, it's it's got, I think, a lot to talk about simply even if, in terms of... Uh, the comedy world right now that i think we could probably discussed so that's our idiot brother and it is
1: currently streaming on netflix or even a paul rudd i think a paul rudd podcast could be pretty interesting he's
0: had a really interesting career
1: yeah i think that i think that could be very interesting so that could be a good jumping off point for that anyway which movie should we review on the next episode of film spotting streaming video unit you can send your pick to svu at filmspottingsvu.com. Or you can enter in the poll on the right-hand side of the page at filmspottingsvu.com. Your vote must be received by Monday, September 16th at noon. After that, we'll announce the winner on our Twitter account, twitter.com slash filmspottingsvu. And you'll have all that week to watch the film and then join us for our conversation on our next episode, which will be on or around Tuesday, September 24th.
0: FilmSpottingSvu is also where you can find our show archive, as well as a list of direct links to all the movies we discussed on the episode. The Film Spotting SVU Remix theme song is by Vince Vandal. Listen to more of Vince's work at vincevandal.com. And we will be back in two weeks with more movie and occasional TV recommendation and the movie review you pick. And in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Allison Wilmore and at Matt Singer. And you can follow the show at Film Spotting SVU. That's where we announce the winner of each show's listener's choice and where we share more streaming suggestions from SVU listeners. For Film Spotting SVU, I'm Allison Wilmore.
1: And I'm Matt Singer. Thanks for listening.